the message for this morning is titled, Walk, Walk, Walk. So obviously it's about walking. And you can't see the picture so clearly on this screen, although on the other screen it is. It's just a simply a path to walk on. It's, don't know where it goes. Um, it's just a nice picture, I guess. Maybe there's a golf course there to play golf, but I don't know. Um, the passage is in Ephesians chapter 5, so I'm continuing on with this series in Ephesians. Uh, Nathan started it, Tibble had a message on unity, and now I'm just continuing it on until I get to the end. Um, so let's read through the passage. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 1 to 21. Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Walk as tr- oh. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the word, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, sorry, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for this that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's just bow our heads one more time in prayer. Lord, your word is truth. May it um, bear on our hearts. May we find uh, nourishment for our soul to live a life um, that honours and glorifies your name. Amen. Okay. So last time, 
I had a message titled, Put on the New Self. So it's all about taking the old self off, like the old self is just like dirty clothes, we take it off and we put on the new self. We've got new clean clothes and we put them on. That was the imagery that the passage brought out. And in that, I mentioned that the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians has, is in two parts. Verses 1 to 3, sorry, chapters 1 to 3, we learn what that new self is. That it's the newness on the inside. It's all about who you are as an individual, who we are as a church. It's all about our calling, our position, and that's what chapters 1 to 3 cover. And then we get into chapters 4 to 6, it's all about how the new self lives, how that newness is worked out, or sorry, how the newness ought to work out on the outside. So chapters 1 to 3, newness on the inside, it's our identity. How the newness, chapters 4 to 6, how the newness ought to work on the outside, that's our practice. It's how you act, not just individually, but how we act in the church and in other dimensions of life. As we're going to see, there's the dimension of um, marriage or parenting or at work and so forth. So it's all about our conduct or our practice. So one to three, our calling, four to six, our conduct. Or you can think about it this way, our position and our practice. In chapter 4, we're introduced to a metaphor for Christian conduct or for Christian practice, and that is walk. And that's why I titled it Walk, Walk, Walk. It's just an easy title. It says here, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is where we're introduced to the practical side. It's a metaphor. Walking is a metaphor for Christian living for our practice. The Christian life is a walk. It is a walk where our conduct matches our calling, our practice matches our position. And it's all the decisions that we make regarding that. And it is a walk unlike the unregenerate of this world. So there is another um, portion, another verse where it mentions walk. And it says here, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And sometimes you look at the word Gentiles in Scripture, and sometimes we understand it as uh, someone who's not Jewish. Um, the Greek word for Gentiles is ethnos, for which we get the word ethnic. And sometimes that word is, is used for an unregenerate person. And in this context, it's used that way. So when, when, it, calls for, when it talks about Gentiles here, it's not talking about um, someone who's not a Jew, because Paul just explained that um, Jesus fulfilled the commandments of the Lord that, that pertain to uh, Jewish national identity, making it possible for Jew and Gentile to become one family. 
So that's already been established. So what Paul is saying here in terms of Gentiles that, that as opposed to the realm of darkness and the realm of light. So these Gentiles are the unregenerate within the realm of darkness. And we're going to see a bit more of that as we go along. So we, um, we walk in a way where our practice matches our position. Not the former way. Not, we must no longer walk um, as the unregenerate of this world. We walk um, where our walk is, where our conduct matches our calling. We make decisions based on that. So from within chapter 4, from verses 1 to 16, the walk is focused on unity. And like I said before, Tibble had three, four messages. Is that right? Something like that. Four messages on this. You can find it either on the podcast or on the blog. Um, from verses 17 to 32, it's a walk in holiness where we put off the old self, put on the new self. Um, and now we reach, we get into chapter 5. We've got three walks, walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom, or walk in wise, I should say wisdom. Okay. So let's get into our first. There's a lot here, a lot of information, so I want to move along. Walk in love. In the same way that children mimic their parents, we are to mimic God and walk sacrificially in love as Christ did. So it says here, therefore be imitators of God. Imitators just simply means to mimic, to copy. Copy in the same way that children copy their parents. Um, There are, as, as a parent myself, there are things inherent within me that I notice is just like my dad. And I didn't believe it until I become a parent myself and realise, oh, that's what my dad said, or that's what my dad did. It happens. I mimic my parent. And what Paul is saying here is mimic God, like like a child of God. And then he says and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we've put off the old self, we've put on the new, and now we walk in love in the same way that Christ loved us. That's the model for love. And then from verse 3, we read a bit more. It says here, but sexually immorality, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. This is where we find the perversion of love. Christ just, Paul just said, walk in love and gave us the model for love as Christ loved us. But, he has a but in there, it's connecting sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness. This perversion of love must not even be named among you. It doesn't say, don't do it. It says, it should not be, I should not hear anything about it. No one should be 
pointing the finger and saying that this is what we've heard within this congregation, within Ephesus. It should not even be named. Don't even talk about it. Don't even joke about it. He's dealing with words here. Name. Talk. Joke. Crude jesting. Or crude joking. Don't even joke about it. There are so many um, on television. I mean, if you can think of, I can think of a number of even even cartoons. Well, these are more cartoons for for adults um, that just have a lot of sexual innuendos that are intended as jokes. Apostle Paul is saying that we don't joke about it. We don't joke about or even talk about this kind of perversion of love. Instead, he says, let thanks being be embedded within your everyday communication. Every day when we talk, be thankful in your speech. Be thankful for all that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And we'll continue on in this passage. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of this, these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, we need to unpack what Paul is talking about when he talks about sexual immorality. What is it? And what is a sexual immoral person? And this is just a really, really clear and concise definition. It says here, Sexual indulgences outside the permanent relationship of marriage. And that is marriage according to a um, historical, biblical definition that we find in Genesis um, where it's written, um, man shall leave his mother and father and join to his wife. So sexual indulgences outside the permanent relationship of marriage. Any time before marriage, any time if you're married and having an affair, that's the kind of thing. It's anything outside that. And a sexually immoral person is a person who practices this. And let's face it, I mean, this, this kind of perversion is, is rampant in our culture. You don't have to go very far. You can hop on Google and look up a whole bunch of love songs and they're not singing about charitable love and they tend to sing more about the erotic love. Or, um, you know, as growing up as a teenager, and I don't know if it's, it's the same or it's changed or it's gotten worse or gotten better, but when I was a teenager in a public school, Losing your virginity was such a big deal. It's almost like it's a rite of passage to adulthood. And there's so much talk and joking about it. There's so much pressure coming from the culture in this area. You know, people just want to be loved and, and to love. And the culture says that this kind of love is an appetite that needs to be satisfied. 
I mean, there are apps for this stuff these days. And people just hop on and yes, yes, no, no, no. It's a culture that we live in. God calls us to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Not to use other people to greedily indulge in selfish pleasure, but to love sacrificially. What does he mean by that? The idea here that Paul is talking about is to give up ourself over to another person in a totally committed, permanent relationship of marriage. Now, this is really, really important to understand. Because Christ gave himself up for us, we give up ourselves to another. And that's how we know. That is the model for us. Our sexuality needs to reflect this. You see, we can't have, we can't just say, oh, we need to have the intimacy, but not the commitment. And the culture tends to teach us that. Here, enjoy the intimacy, but don't have the commitment. Christ was committed to giving himself up for his bride. And so this is our model. We give ourselves up to a totally committed, permanent relationship of marriage. And also within this passage, Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words. So don't let anyone trick you into believing otherwise. Not even joke about it. The wrath of God comes upon unbelievers. So our second point, walk in light. He starts off by saying, don't partner up with such people. Don't be partners with them. You were once this way, but now you are not. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, I really like how he uses the words here. It says, were darkness, are light. It doesn't say we're in darkness or we're, you are in light. It says you were darkness. And I think this is what he's saying is it's more to do with the calling, more to do with the position. You were positioned in darkness. You were in that realm, the realm of darkness. You were that. But now you're the realm of light. That's your position. As opposed to conduct and practice. It's your identity. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul talks about going from death to life. God made you alive again. And then he says here, this is where we go from position to practice. Walk as children of light for the fruit of of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So, again, we get this 
analogy, children. And what do children do? Mimic, they copy. And our practice is to copy our position. Our position is light. As children of light, copy that. Copy your position. In the same way that children mimic their parents. And focus on what is good, right and true, and work out what pleases God. Because that's where the fruit of light is found, in all that is good, right or just, and true. This is where we're going to work out what pleases God. It says here, try to discern. That word discern means to prove or to test. We, we need to work it out. It, it can't be just in your head. It's got to be practical. You've got to do it. And you'll find it in all what is good, right and true. Making those choices, you will find the will of God. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So here Paul is saying, expose the unfruitful works of darkness to the light, but don't take any part in them. He's saying, do this in word, but what do you do when it is shameful to talk about it? What do you, you know, people do things in secret and we don't really want to talk about it because maybe it's... um, Maybe talking about it is just morally and spiritually, it can be potentially be morally and spiritually corruptive. Maybe if we do talk about it, it could bring the bad out of a person rather than the good. What do you do when that kind of thing happens? Well, what he is saying here is let your practice match your position. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Be light. Make sure everything you do is light. Not darkness. And what happens is, the light will expose the darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness. Practice of position will expose unfruitful works of darkness. It's as if like um, we get together, the few of us for our, you know, Christians for a little, um, just a social function and we invite someone who's not a Christian, who's living out in the world they will come to see how the Christians live, how they practice living as light and realize, oh, maybe I'm doing something wrong because they can see what other people are doing. Our practice 
of our position will say, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine anew. People can see the darkness of wrong behaviour when brought to the light of right behaviour. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's really, really important that our practice matches our position because it is a testimony to the world. It is a light that shines on the unfruitful works on darkness. And then we get to our third point, walk in wisdom. This just means to have that careful attention must be given as to how we practice our position. Okay. Make strong choices with how we use our time on this evil earth. It says here, from verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. There's uh, something in um, education called consequential learning. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing. It's just new language for wisdom, it really is. So, we make strong choices that have positive consequences. We make weak choices that have negative consequences. And it's just simply making wise decisions and foolish decisions. That's basically what it is, just new language for that. But I like it because it really makes sense. We do have to make choices, and our choices can either be strong or weak. And what Paul is saying here, not as unwise, but as wise. People who make strong decisions, strong choices. How we conduct ourselves can expose unfruitful works of darkness. So in our walk, make strong choices in favour of God's will because the days are evil. So we can make strong choices for our practice to match our position because we will be a light exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. And I'll read on, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, sometimes I read the scripture and I see it almost appears like the writer is jumping from one topic to another, but this is all connected. It's all connected, and it does make sense. Because getting drunk is not a strong choice. It's not the best use of time. Have a few drinks. Um, I don't know. Someone needs you to come over for prayer because they're feeling a bit down. Oh, sorry, I can't. Um, I had a few drinks. I can't drive. Not really good use of time. Maybe it's a weak choice. Doesn't say here anything that you can't drink. Jesus created wine for a wedding that ran out of wine. 
But what Paul is saying here is that getting drunk is not the best use of our time. It's a weak choice. It uses the word here, debauchery, which means reckless living. It's just a reckless decision. When we come under the influence of alcohol, the alcohol starts to control us. Gives us certain motivations that and promote choices that aren't really beneficial. Helps us to be lazy. We come under the influence of alcohol, we're under its control. And we don't make strong choices. It says here, let the Holy Spirit fill you as if the wind is filling the sails of a sailboat. Don't be under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of the Spirit, under the control of the Spirit. And speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Not just that, sing together. These are, these are stronger choices. This is better use of our time. This is what will build people up. Give thanks always and for everything. Submit to one another. That's better use of our time. Better way to practice our position. The Christian life is a walk. And some call it a journey. Here in the, this passage, it's a walk. It is a walk where our conduct matches our calling. Our practice matches our position. That's what we are to do. And it is a walk unlike the unregenerate of this world. We were that way. We were in darkness. We don't not that way anymore. It is a walk in sacrificial love, not its perversion. It's a walk in light, not darkness. It's a walk in wisdom, not foolishness. It's about making those strong choices. It's how we practice our position. It's all the choices we make and the things we do as we journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. And if anyone here has read The Pilgrim's Progress, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because that, the, that book there is a journey. It is a walk. And we need to make decisions on this walk. Give up ourself over to another person in a totally committed, permanent relationship of marriage. That's a decision. Not to use other people to greedily indulge in selfish pleasure. That's a decision. They're all choices. Expose unfruitful works of darkness to the light with righteous living. Don't take part in them. And make strong, spirit-filled choices in favour of God's will. Don't waste your time getting drunk. It's not the best use of time. We have been made alive in Christ. Now it's time for us to live in Christ and make decisions 
in favor of that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, it's, um, it's wonderful news here that you've given to us. Encouraging news to practice our position before you. And it's wonderful also that we can come to your word, understand it, and apply it. Help us to live by it. Help us to make strong choices in favour of your will. Help us to make the best use of our time. And help us to be light. Everything we do in terms of our behaviour and righteous living as a testimony before the world. Pray and thank you in your son's name.